Hello, and welcome to This Week Explained. I am Tiana. And I'm Kervin. And today we will be covering the big geopolitical stories of the week. And there are quite a few scary events. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is a definitely a good word. I think you you wanted to say interesting, but no, it is scary. scary is what came to mind for me. So, well, I mean, it's a lot to get into. So let us know what's on your radar this week. All right, so we're going to do a brush Ukraine as always. Yeah. Some big things that are that are coming down the pipeline there. But Zelensky actually went out to the United Kingdom to meet with the prime minister. It's a big story there. But also Estonia released an intelligence report where they believe that Russia is actually strong enough still for a follow-on invasion. Oh. So we'll get into that. But so last week we didn't talk about at the podcast the big China spy balloon. Yeah. And that's because it was such a fluid event and a lot of contradicting reports on it. So I wanted to wait so that we could do it. Get all the information together. Yeah. yeah. And, and we're going to do that in this one. And North Korea, I know you are you are very much aware of this, but North Korea put on a military parade and there are some scary things coming out of that. With that being said, the U.S. is starting to put troops and build bases out in the Philippines. Um, while this is new news for the media i i'll get into a little bit why it's not new news for me and for the intelligence community out in the u.s also more things so we've got more attacks on the united states electrical grid mm-hmm. this happened in baltimore this past week Ooh. and then a very very interesting i'll stick with that word interesting mm-hmm. report from a once uh, pulitzer prize winning journalist from the new york times who claims that the united states was the country that sabotaged the Nord Stream 2 pipeline in September. Oh, my Talk goodness. All right. Well, that took a really long time for you to get through. So <laughs> I'm just going to yeah. dive right into it. A lot. Can I be honest for a second? Shaker bottles suck. Your protein shakes always come out clumpy and you look like an idiot using the thing. That's why I decided to ditch my shaker bottle for good and get myself a BlendJet 2 portable blender. It makes perfectly blended protein shakes in just 20 seconds. BlendJet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. It lasts for 15-plus blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. These portable blenders come in a ton of different colors. I happen to love the nostalgia of the Lisa Frank design, but there are designs for everyone from camo to Disney characters. What are you waiting for? Go to BlendJet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code THISWEEK12, that's this week, one word, and the number 12, to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 portable blender. Go to BlendJet.com and use the code THISWEEK12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. So what is the big news coming out of the war in Ukraine? Uh, So this week, Russian sources 
have been reporting that conventional Russian troops started attacking Ukrainian defensive lines and that they are making advances along the border of Kharkiv and the Luhansk Oblast. Now, I'll say that's from Russian sources, like I said, but there's also analysis of open source satellite images, which have pretty much confirmed that this is true. So, you know, that planned offensive that we had talked about for the last couple of weeks, it looks like it started. What is next in the war in Ukraine now that the offensive has started? Well, I think you, Tiana, you have your finger on the pulse of all the major news sites, because guess what? That's exactly the questions I've been getting emailed by journalists this week. Oh, I didn't know you were getting emailed by journalists. Excuse yeah. me. Safe. Excuse me. Can you fill us in, sir, on what you told them about the future of the war in Ukraine? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course. Yeah. Uh, I always like to put that out to you guys because it's always seems to be behind a paywall. No one wants to get my name out there in public. Yeah. I guess I'm a pariah. Shut up. <laughs> you think that'd be but, They wouldn't be emailing you if you were a pariah. Yeah. They just got to make their money through the clicks. Got to make that. Got to make that paper. Yep. That YouTube money. But yeah, so this is what I told them, you know, that that planned Russian offensive. Some are calling it a counteroffensive because they're trying to retake ground that Ukraine had. It's already begun and that's going to continue until Russia has accomplished that mission of regaining territory in eastern Ukraine. Now, I do know that officials in Russia have also been preparing its military for a protracted or an extended war in Ukraine, so it's not going to be over anytime soon. That is definitely a change from the original it, original speaking of the invasion. You know, those same officials, they assume the Russian military is going to swiftly take over all those regions in Ukraine, and it's going to lead up to an invasion of Kiev. During that, there would be an installation of a pro-Russian government. So that's that's what's coming now. Okay, so what is the end game here? Do you have predictions for the most likely outcome? Well, I do, but it's it's going to be dependent on Russia's success in this new offensive over the next few weeks. So there are two likely outcomes. Now, first scenario is Russia succeeds and it's in its surrounding of Kiev. They then reconsolidate troops around the capital, make a push towards Kiev in the spring. Now, I do think that if this happens, this is this offensive will become the most important battle to date in the war in Ukraine. Russia is going to send a massive amount of troops towards the capital while Ukraine tries to repel the Russian military's advancements. It's tough to predict anything past that, uh, but the probability of Russia taking over Kiev is quite high in this scenario. So if this scenario plays out, we're going to see a move by Ukraine. Let, let so It all plays out Russia's way. They get Kiev's. I, I do see Ukraine trying to negotiate a peace deal that actually could include officially approving Russia's annexation of the eastern Ukrainian region. Oh, wow. This does not end the conflict in Ukraine, though. It just moves it from an active battle to Russia sort of seeing it as a peacekeeping mission. Okay, so what is the other scenario? So in the second scenario, it would be Russia's unable to succeed in their offensive to surround Kiev, that's going to frustrate Putin because he wants to make an announcement of some sort of victory by the one year mark. You know, if that happens, so if this scenario plays out, we are getting closer to Putin authorizing yo low yield nuclear weapons to sort of demoralize Ukrainian forces and officials. Mm -hmm. Then it, at that point, Russia is going to make one final attempt at Kiev, throwing as many military bodies at the capital as they can, and then hope they get a swift takeover of the capital. So I'm going to say this, 
just to kind of calm anyone who, who may be fearful of that kind of stuff. I don't see a probability of a nuclear weapon hitting the ground in Ukraine in that meeting be causing devastating loss of life for civilians, millions of people. I don't see the probability of that, right? The weapon that's going to be used, it's going to be used to impact infrastructure and then completely wipe out Ukraine's basic resources. Have you adjusted your probability of the use of nuclear weapons in Ukraine? Yes. My analysis of that situation is that due to recent military victories in Ukraine and the high probability of Russia achieving its goal of completely circling Kiev, we're at a much lower probability of the weapons being used oh, at all. Okay. To include the low yield tactical nuclear weapons. If you remember, I was at 50 50. Yeah. Which got a lot of people scared. But uh, I, all of this can change. But right now, it's at, I got it under 20% probability as we're analyzing this situation. All right. Well, let's shift over to talk about the Ukrainian side. This week, Ukrainian President Zelensky traveled to the United Kingdom to speak with the new Prime Minister, Sinak. Do you have any details on what was discussed there? Yeah, so Zelensky is asking for advanced fighter jets to help in the war in Ukraine. Once, I mean, this happened once the transfer of modern battle tanks was agreed upon. Zelensky immediately began publicly requesting fighter jets. Of course. Really, he wanted the the F-16s that are made by the General Dynamics in the U.S. General Dynamics. This, yeah, I know, I know you. I know your feelings on General Dynamics. Okay. Um, <laughs> but this week, <laughs> he actually made his way to the UK and he wanted to publicly request what he called Wings of Freedom. And what kind of aircraft could he possibly get from the UK? Well, let's start with the type of aircraft Ukraine would like from the UK. Of course. Which is either the F-35 Lightning or the Fighter Typhoon. Either of those would give Ukraine air superiority in the war, but it's unlikely that they're going to get either one of those platforms. Why not? So Russia views any movement of those type of aircraft to Ukraine as an act of war against Russia, and they could use that to declare war on all NATO countries, but especially those that are bordering Russia, like Poland, and then the ones trying to become a NATO country like Finland and Sweden. Then what aircraft will likely be sent? So I think the most likely course of action is that the UK is going to send its updated Hawk air, aircraft. They're not as advanced as the F-35 or the, the Typhoon. Of course. But it does give Ukraine a better chance of defending its airspace. So that aircraft was designed in the 70s, but it did get a few upgrades late 90s, early 2000s, so a couple decades ago. And actually, the UK is starting to train Ukrainian pilots on that very system this week. Well, what about the F-16? Will Ukraine get that system? I doubt that it's going to get the F-16, but, you know, I was also skeptical that they were going to get the M1 Abrams from the U.S., Yeah, but but they asked enough that they did reach an agreement on that battle tank, so I, anything's possible at this point. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. 
Okay, well, let's shift on over to that Estonian intelligence report on Russia's possible follow-on invasions within the Baltic region. In your analysis of the way ahead in Ukraine, there wasn't any mention on the possibility of a follow-on invasion to a country like Moldova. Do you think that is a possibility now that the Estonian intelligence report was made public? Yeah. So let's start with, you know, Estonian foreign intelligence said it believed that Russia still had the strength to insert what they called credible military pressure on the Baltic region, and that made it raise its security risk for the region long term. So will Russia move on to Moldova if they're successful in taking the whole of Ukraine? Yes. I also just saw today that Zelensky actually brought that up when talking to the UK. He's also seeing signs that Russia's going to to have a follow-on invasion. Yeah. And it is likely that they're going to invade Moldova. And honestly, it's going to be regardless of the successes of this current pre-anniversary offensive. And you still don't see NATO getting involved. I mean, at that point, I do, I do think they're still going to stay out of the war militarily, but they would, they're likely just going to increase sanctions Ooh. and then continue... They're going to continue these proxy war activities, and it's not going to do anything. Okay. Well, great. More sanctions. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of activity in Eastern Europe, so we are going to continue discussing that in the future. Let's move to the never-ending story of the Chinese <laughs> spy balloon. Do you want to set the stage for this conversation? Well, I'll start by saying this. If you're subscribed to our newsletter, you did receive what I consider the most comprehensive update on the situation with the Chinese spy balloon. So if you haven't signed up, I'm going to put it in the show notes. You can click the link, add your email to the list if you want, because we are doing a lot of like comprehensive intelligence updates. There's a lot of good stuff there. Listen to that big talk from you. <laughs> How do you, I mean, you're just pumping up that that newsletter. I I mean, I, I really think there's good stuff that comes out of there. Well, you did make it. So I mean, yeah, you get to decide. biased. <laughs> so how do you how do you want to tackle this conversation? Do you want to start from the beginning, or should we just jump into the updates that came out this week? I guess we should. Let's start from the top. We'll go real quick about what happened over the weekend, and then we'll kind of we'll get into the updates that happened this week. All right, and give us the Cliff's Notes version. So last week, social media was a buzz over a high altitude balloon flying over Montana. Now. As that was happening, the United States confirmed that the balloon was a Chinese spy balloon with solar panels, a camera, and possibly, I'm going to say possibly, Mm -hmm. an AI-driven GPS system that helps it move. All I can say is possibly. Allegedly. Yes. So that led actually to a huge uproar in America. And then, as with everything, the conversation became political. Of course. So you had right-wing sites saying it should be shot down immediately. Left-wing sites calling everyone, you know, telling everybody to stay calm, let it float through the continental United States. The Pentagon, they said that shooting it down immediately would cause injury to civilians on the ground and that they should wait until it's over the ocean to shoot it down. You had a different opinion, though. You said publicly there was an issue with giving China intelligence on the U.S. ability to counter air incursions. Do you think the U.S. did give China that intelligence by shooting down the balloon with an F-22 fighter jet? It's an $8 billion piece of machinery. Yeah. A $300,000 missile. Yeah. That is a huge show of force for a balloon. Freaking balloon. 
and and I know every I'm going on a tangent here just for a second. Okay. I want to let everybody know, and and I'm going to talk about this in a few seconds or minutes. China was not getting any intelligence on the ground from this balloon. Okay. It had already been jammed, and was not sending back anything. Okay. So. Okay. They were gaining nothing from having it float through the continental United States. So they they honestly, and then you ask the question, did they get any intelligence by shooting down the balloon with the F-22 fighter jet? Mm -hmm. They didn't get any intelligence they didn't already have. They knew about the F-22. They knew about the Sidewinder missile. But analysts within the U.S. intelligence community suspect the balloon was being used to actually test America's counter surveillance capabilities. Were they able to gain that? Kind of intelligence? Yes. Did the U.S. gain intelligence from the balloon? Yes. What I have learned in the aftermath of this balloon boondoggle is, like I said, the, the U.S. was able to jam the balloon's payload, and they had actually effectively stopped its ability to gain intelligence from those strategic sites that it continued to float above. Then why even send a balloon? Don't they have satellites that can do the exact same thing? Yes and no. So the type of payload that's on the balloon actually gives it a better surveillance capability. And since it was made by the same Chinese company that makes weather balloons for the CCP, excuse me, it it actually allows China to deny allegations of spying on the continental United States. Uh, say, well, that's what they said initially, right? That it was a weather balloon? Yes. And it just accidentally, they accidentally blew off course. Whoops. They stand by that statement. Right. And they can do that because the company that made that balloon made makes weather balloons for China. So no, it was all, let me, let me just put this out here, that this entire event was a fact-finding mission by China. And from what we've learned, it's not the first time that this has happened. It's not happened over the continental United States, but it has happened over sovereign U.S., other sovereign U.S. states like Hawaii, Alaska. This is just the first time that we, the people, identified it because if that person on social media had not posted those pictures and no one knew about it. Yeah. Trust me, you would have never heard about this balloon. Yeah. But honestly, everything that happened, all of the stuff that happened, it gave China exactly what they want. Okay. Well, what was that? It, well, information on how the United States tracks foreign air platforms. That's one. How the U.S. will deal with those platforms as they track it. And then an analysis of the U.S. population's feelings towards China. All of those things are going to be exploited by China. So if you think this will this be the last time we're going to hear about overt Chinese surveillance on the U.S. population, I don't know what to tell you. It's happening. It's been happening. It will happen again. You know, there was the, the meme. I think I showed you that as well. It's like, oh, you're upset about a Chinese spy balloon? Wait till you find out what's in TikTok. Yeah, exactly. So that's and also, far And they also have, you know, they're planting those police stations Fun. Yeah, they just... Yeah. So, they, they, it's been happening. <laughs> yeah, and, and they just closed the one down in in New York City. Oh. Found out. That was in Times Square. Oh, good for them. Um, so, that's a great point to bring up about the police stations, because New York City had to shut that down. Mm -hmm. Australia just decided to decommission all of its Chinese-made surveillance cameras, because those being used to spy on Australian military sites. Oh, wow. Well, there's a lot to unpack in this story. It could probably be a standalone episode. Yeah, it could have been. And that's why I think the newsletter is so important, because it, it gives us an opportunity to actually go further in depth on those stories. Yeah. And you're definitely going to see that this Saturday when we put out the companion newsletter for the podcast. All right, let's move on to North Korea. 
this week they started preparing for their big military parade. And what are we going to learn about North Korea during this show of force? So there's two big takeaways from the this planned military parade. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, it's going to be used to set the stage for the secession of power within the regime. And so for this, once again, Kim was accompanied by his daughter, who many suspect will be the heir apparent to Kim Jong-un. Does he not have a son? I mean, I assume North Korea would promote a male heir over a female heir. Yeah, that is actually, they are a patriarchal society. Yeah. And so that is really the most interesting part of this whole thing. Yeah. Analysts do believe he does have an older son, which would be the logical heir. Yeah. But West, with everything with North Korea, we know very little about the son, which is, it's kind of odd that he would publicly highlight his daughter, his younger daughter, during the pomp and circumstance of these high-profile military demonstrations. I do think it's something to look into as Kim could be hiding his son until the moment he needs him to take over the country. Or another scenario is there could be an issue with his son that makes him unfit to be the supreme leader. Okay. So the Kim family is just so secretive that anything I say on the matter is going to be pure speculation on my part. Okay, so what is the other big takeaway? Well, this was the largest display of North Korea's nuclear arsenal. Balls of these people to actually parade out the nuclear weapons. Like, what the heck? Yeah, overtly display. Yeah. Like, try more. (laughs) They've... They overtly displayed more intercontinental ballistic missiles than ever before. Mm-hmm. Now, also an analysis of the weapons hinted at a new solid fuel weapon. What is important to note about so-called solid fuel weapons? So solid rockets, as some would call them, provide high thrust for relatively low cost. So big bang, not a lot of cost. One of the benefits in military use is it's, it's the ability for it to remain loaded in the rocket, so the munition can be loaded in the rocket for long periods of time, and then it's reli- it can still be reliably launched as soon as it's needed. Well, that's very concerning news coming out of your wildcard country. So yeah, let's get back into the United States conversation this week, because there's also a lot to discuss there. Starting with reestablishing bases in the Philippines, what info do you have with that? Like I said at the top, it's sort of old news to me, but apparently it's new information in the media. So the U.S. is ramping up their operations in the Philippines. And what do you mean this is old news to you? Well, so if you, I know you remember when I went out, I was out in Poland because the U.S. began to focus on anti-Russian aggression. The next site we were all discussing was the Philippines to start focusing on anti-China aggression. Now, I left that program to change careers, so I don't get any more information on the plans for the Philippines, but the conversation about military bases there is still ongoing, and and now it looks like we're going to see a U.S. military presence reestablished in that country. And that is all based off China's aggressive actions in the region? Yeah. Countries in the Indo-Pacific are making their alliances known. And then, so now you see the Philippines have jumped in to align with the U.S., Japan, South Korea, all of those allies. Even NATO plans to accelerate implementation of the, what they call the Enhanced Defense Cooperation Agreement, which is a pact to strengthen bilateral defense cooperation with various Indo-Pacific nations. All the pieces are coming together in that region, and they're all preparing for China's planned invasion of Taiwan. Wow, so we really are getting closer to a possible conflict in the Indo-Pacific. Getting back to the continental United States, I 
feel like there are more and more lone wolf attacks on infrastructure in the U.S. What can you tell us about that? Is this a domestic problem or are there larger geopolitical implications? Good question. So we saw this week the third region of the United States affected by these attacks. Well, that was when the FBI arrested two individuals before they could actually carry out one of the attacks. So good good on you guys in the FBI. High five, FBI. <laughs> what exactly is the end game with these? Are they They don't appear to be connected. The most recent one that occurred in Baltimore, Maryland, was carried out by actually a neo-Nazi leader and a, another white supremacist but terminally ill woman. Yeah, so she is... She's like, I have nothing I to lose just, kind of thing? Yeah. Well, she's got, I think, six months to live and, and she was on either 4chan sites or that kind of stuff. That's mm-hmm. the Wanting to participate in these. Okay. Now, the others appear on the surface to be carried out by criminals looking to burglarize local businesses or so shut the power off and the power goes out, you can go into the business and, and steal everything. You can kind of get rid of the security systems. Yeah. No cameras. Yeah. Nothing. Unfortunately, there's cameras next to those power stations. <laughs> so that's how they got caught. Yeah. But on the surface, it appears it's a domestic problem. But, you know, if anything that happens today, what's on the surface isn't usually the whole truth. Could the individuals be radicalized by online Russian entities to carry out the attacks? Sure. I'm not going to put that past Russia or China or actually any country for that matter. But like I said, right now it appears to be lone wolf attacks that are not connected. Local officials actually, I would say, need to be doing everything necessary to protect the electric grid in this country. Well, speaking of not putting anything past the country, you know, to carry out attacks on critical infrastructure... What can you tell us about the recent report that the U.S. was behind the Nord Stream 2 explosion? An incredible story told in great detail, but like most incredible stories, the facts are actually very few and the sensationalism is what's going on here. Well, so you don't see a scenario where the U.S. would blow up the pipeline at all? It's like I said, I don't put anything past any government. Yeah. Not even this one, but... From the information I have received from actual multiple sources, the article in question is, this article in question is actually based on one unnamed, but the multiple sources I've talked to, there are two reasons to believe that the U.S. did not participate in this. And can you expound on those two reasons? First, the publicly available data does not corroborate the actual reporting. So I'm going to run through this very quickly just for the sake of time, but also note there's going to be a much more in-depth analysis in that newsletter. Um... Of the multiple U.S. and Norwegian vessels the author purports to be associated with the attack, none were actually in the area at the time leading up to the explosion. Though there's a Norwegian minesweeper was at the site in June, but the attack occurs in September. A U.S. P-8 that he said was in the area, it was there, but that was following the explosion. (laughs) So those two things don't add up. Also... Seymour Hirsch, who's the author in question, he has actually been on the wrong side of multiple recent stories. He claimed an inside source, single inside source, told him the Bin Laden raid never happened. Oh. I have my own sources that can tell you it did happen. Yeah, exactly. He also, a few years later, claimed the West was lying about the use of chemical weapons. And what's interesting about all the claims that he's started to make recently is that they all follow Russian disinformation campaigns on the exact same topic. So is he some sort of Russian asset? I want to be very clear in what I'm saying. Okay. I 
I see nothing that shows that Hirsch is a Russian asset. Um, there are actual some people investigating this, and they're looking into his financials, and that could connect the dots to Russian officials. I've made a Google alert for Bellingcat, which is a open source intelligence agency that I, I really respect. They, I think they're going to push out that information if the dots are connected. If not, they will put that out as well. If that happens, we'll come back to this, but right now, for the record, I have no credible evidence the U.S. did this, and I also have no credible evidence that the story was manufactured. What I'm going to say is it is something to keep tracking and that those involved, when it does come to light, should be held accountable. I also want to say that doesn't mean we all need to get up in arms about anyone being involved in, in the attack until a multiple source, multi-source insider intel information actually comes out. Okay, well, do you have anything else for this week? After that, we are out of time. Well, as always, if you like this show, please try to tell at least one person about us. We can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a moment, head over to Apple or Spotify and give us a five-star review because those can help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And if you like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, follow us on Instagram at Oakwin Analytics. Tiana, thank you so much. And until next week, stay safe out there. <laughs>